One, two. Three, four. I like it. I like it. Come on, let's give Del Ron another round of applause. Where is he? You ran away. Ah, well done, old boots. Well done, man. Were you waking up from the worship or last night? What's happening, huh? <laughs> Yo, worship this morning. Man, you know, if I'm honest, right? If I'm honest. Which I always am, mostly. Yeah, mostly. But if I'm honest, you know, my heart weeps for anyone who has not experienced the love of God in this life. You know, like Auntie Shemaine, what you were talking about this morning, you know, about the walls and, you know, all this stuff. People have so many uh, uh, um, limitations and barriers and disqualifications in their own heart. You know, they have such low self-worth that they're so desperate to find peace in some way or another. It is just a matter of opening up your heart to the love of God. You know, for us who are, who are who, or shall we say, for those in the world who are disconnected from God, it's such a ridiculous concept to think that you could be loved without deserving it. What? Yeah. It's such a ridiculous concept to think that someone could see you more valuable than you see yourself. Apart from your career success, apart from your wealth, apart from your looks, apart from what you own, apart from your relationships, everything. Before you even did a single thing, you were loved perfectly by God. Man, you know, if people could just get that message about Jesus and not worry about all the religious, legalistic nonsense, for lack of a better word in church, all right? If people could stop worrying about all that nonsense and they could just say, okay, here's a person who wants to get to know me. Here's a person who wants me to know him. Let me just open up my heart to relationship with him. What could happen if they just open up their heart? Amen. Imagine coming to a person and expecting them, expecting to know them on your terms. That makes absolutely no sense. It's like, Cecilia, I'm going to come to you now, right? And Cecilia... I'm going to know you the way I want to know you based on everything I think I know about you. Exactly. Those of you who can't see, she's like, what are you saying? That's not relationship. That's not what it is. You know what? How's it, everybody? Are you guys good? I just realized that I didn't even say good morning. I didn't ask how you guys are. I just saw fired up this morning by the love of God. Amen? <laughs> Let's give God a praise. Come on. <laughs> Sheesh. The love of God, guys. I'm telling you. It is, whew. you know, yes, see, I wasn't supposed to talk about the love of God this morning, but I'm just going to talk about it a little bit more, just a little bit more. So there's this, there's this concept in Christianity, right, that in today's world, there's uh, people who say do well. There's people who say believe correctly. Even if your belief is wrong, you know, you cut off from the love of God and you know all this stuff, which I think there are elements of that. They are real, right? But the principle is this, is that if we want to experience the love of God, we must surrender to how he loves us. We must surrender to who he is. If we do not, we can't say that we're experiencing the love of God. Because if God says, I want to love you, we can't say, right, love me like this. It doesn't work like that, right? Because simply, God doesn't just love us the way we want to be loved. You see, because we have created definitions, we've created expectations about how we need to be loved because of how we've been hurt. God does not want to love us 
opposing how we've been hurt. He wants to love us the way that is perfect to make us whole. So if we take the way like, hey, I just want to be loved. Lord, my heart got broken. They could just fix my broken heart. God's like, listen, your broken heart will be fixed. But your broken heart won't be fixed by looking what you didn't have in that situation. Your broken heart will only be fixed if you come to God to receive what he has for you. But Bash, what about what I went through? See, the limitation uh, that you place on the love of God for you based on what you've been through is what we call legalism. It's what we call self-centered Christianity. Because if you only come to God and you say, Lord, if you could just fix that, that part there that broke in me, I'd be okay. I could love myself. If you could just, you know, fix that piece. But God's like, but you can't come to me, the king, God Almighty, your loving father. You can't come to me and tell me what you need. If I'm your loving father, do I not know what you need? What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? He says, your loving father, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Are you with me? Is that we are so crippled by the hurt and the brokenness that we're carrying that we just wish that thing could escape. And we're so busy trying to escape death that we don't actually choose to experience life. Amen? Listen, as a Christian... As a believer, you need to accept that you were walking in death. You need to accept that certain things that happened in your life had effects in your heart, they had effects on your soul, and you need to accept that those things happen, right? What you need to move away from is that you need to move away from trying to fix those things, and you need to move towards awakening to who you are in Jesus. Because you see, who you are in Jesus does not only uh, um, fix what happened over there, but it brings you to what true life is is so whatever your broken heart symptom is whether it's disqualification whether it's 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 unforgiveness whether it's lack whatever your broken heart condition is you need to reckon yourself dead to that just as christ died to it because you see if you spend your time trying to fix that it's like if only my broken heart could be healed no the problem is is that your heart is still broken because you are still anchored in the old man If you took the time and you took the diligence to be anchored in who you are in Jesus, you would see that wholeness is a reality that's closer than you can even imagine. Amen? Wholeness is what Christ is offering us. Some people want peace but still want to be broken. You don't realize you don't have peace because you are broken. If you would desire wholeness in Christ, you would realize that peace is just a fruit. You would realize that joy is just a fruit. Patience is just a fruit. I'm going through Galatians 5 here, if you guys didn't catch that on, all right? All these things that we so desire to experience a certain quality of life, we would realize, wow, this is just side effects of being in Jesus. I don't know where I'm going with this this morning. (laughs) I did prepare something else, but anyway. (laughs) Are you guys with me this morning, right? The love of God needs to be the foundation of how you see God, how you see yourself, how you think about life, and how you see people. If it's not, you will never be in a position where you can experience peace. Let me explain why. Do you know that it's only through the love of God that you have intrinsic value? Do you guys know what intrinsic value is? It means you have value before you even perform. 
Now, there's the age-old saying that, listen, everyone's intelligent. But if you measure a fish's intelligence by its ability to climb a tree, what's going to happen? Fish is going to be dumb, right? And how many of us have been given benchmarks, right, that are not aligned to the love of God? So what do we do? We say, I'm dumb. I'm a fish that can't climb a tree. You guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about, right? People come to us and they're like, oh, but look at me. I'm trying so hard and this is not working and this is, you know, all this sort of stuff. Listen, the fact that you are doing well in life is not evidence that God is working in your life. The fact that you're doing badly in life is not evidence that God's not in your life. See, the evidence that you need, the evidence that you are seeking for proof that God is working in your life only comes through faith. Faith, oh, thanks, Linda, amen, yeah. <laughs> faith is trust in who God is and what Christ has done, and it is experiencing the reality of God in your own heart. We look externally, you know. Deeds was telling me a story about someone he was, is disciplining the right word? <laughs> someone he was having a truthful conversation with, right? Very old colleague of his. And the statement was made, he's like, you know, it's so amazing to see how God's working in my life. Look at everything he's doing. He's like, but how do you know God's doing that? There's plenty of people who are doing way more than what you're doing, but they're not saying God's doing it, they're doing it. Bash, what are you talking about? Is the good things in our lives not from God? It could be. What about the bad things in our life? Is it from God? No. See, the principle is, is that you can go out and do what you want to do. Every single one of us have been given gifts and talents by God himself in our creation. We were designed with it. If we pursue to become excellent in them, they reap rewards. Therefore, if you have a specific skill and you become excellent in it, and you go out there and people are like, flip, you're really good. Can I pay you to do this job? Yes, please pay me. And you get better and better and better, and you go out there, and eventually you build this amazing life from that. Did God do it? Maybe. Then what happens when you're going badly? What happens if you've got no money in life? What happens if you don't have a job? What happens if, if everything's falling apart? Where's God then? We always blame God. We say, God's putting me through a test, brother. Well, the first test that you failed is that God is testing you, okay? That's the first failure that you have in your life, <laughs> all right? Let's detach from the external, ladies and gentlemen. I was giving an example last night. We were having a discussion, and I said, you know, the age-old charismatic teaching is that a man on a bicycle cannot preach the gospel to a man driving a Ferrari. And that's where they birthed this disgusting, carnal prosperity message that if you're not rich, you're not a Christian, right? They need external carnal evidence to prove that God's working in your life. Not actually realizing that the Physical is just a side effect of what's happening inside. Now, you can be broken, dead, and empty inside and still command a perfect exterior. What's going to happen? You're just going to burn out in the process. That's all that's going to happen. Mental breakdown, physical burnout, whatever, emotional depression, whatever it's going to be. You're going to have all those things, but outside you're going to be like, yes, got all the cars, got all the houses, got the degree, got the corner office, got the trophy wife, whatever it is, right? 
You're going to have all these things. Fantastic. No one's saying don't have it. The problem is you are poor in your heart. The problem is you are compensating with the riches of the world to fix a poverty that only Jesus can fix. Amen? Why am I talking about this this morning? I have no idea. All right. We're going to keep going. Can we keep going? We're just going to keep going. I got time. (laughs) Are you guys with me? So when we look at the love of God, we must not look at the love of God to fix what we think we're missing. We need to look at the love of God to amplify the work that Christ has finished in us. All right? Are you guys with me? If you do not have that posture, God is always going to be a stranger to you. Do you know why? Because what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? The Bible tells us that God cannot tell a lie. And that's not because God has an inability. No, it's because God is truth. So even if God said, these, what do you call these things? Rafters, whatever. Yeah, that thing. If these things were blue, do you know what would happen? If God says, this is blue, do you know what would happen? They would change to blue. We wouldn't have a moment to say, no, it's... uh." Are you guys with me? This is why God cannot tell a lie, because he is truth. Therefore, what he says becomes true. You guys ever see that movie, Bruce Almighty? And he goes, okay, how many fingers have behind my back? And, he, and he's holding seven firstly. And then, and then God says, seven. And he goes, ha, he changes his mind. And he puts his hand out like this, and there's two extra fingers. Like, and he's like, oh, right? You see, whatever God speaks becomes truth. Therefore, right, our expectation must be is that God is more truthful than I am. Listen to what I'm saying. Because if I'm coming to God and I'm saying, all right, Lord, love me like this, I need this. I must believe that's a lie. Why? Because if God says I need something else, that is what the truth is. You see, if I come to God and I say, Lord, it's just, if you could just fix this. The first thing I must do in my mind is like, I actually don't know what I want. The only thing I'm reacting to is that something's hurting. Something's broken. Like a baby. When a baby cries. You know, I've seen moms, eh? Moms are amazing things. Because like my, my niece, well, how old is she now? Two. Three. Edo, she's two. Anyway, her name's Eden, right? And over the years, obviously, we're spending time with her. And man, the language comes out. Yeah. And it's all amazing words. All of you know how babies are, right? So she comes in. <laughs> and then she comes to me. And she says, my, she says, Bash. I'm like, oh, this is it. I will do whatever this child wants. This, this child is my master, you know? And anyway, she comes in. And then she says a word. I'm like, one more time, baby. And she says it again. I'm like, one more time, baby. So anyway, I pick up and I go to her mom. I'm like, what is this word? So mom starts laughing. She's like, no, it's actually this. I'm like, oh. And then I can help the child and I can go, right? All a child can do, right, is express a discomfort. Can it do it accurately? No. Now the problem comes in is that you and I as adults, right, the only difference is we have become more eloquent in expressing our discomfort. Hello? The baby had no clue what it needed. It just knew I was not comfortable. Mother, fix this now. That is it. Right? That's all. The only difference is now when we're adults, we still are uncomfortable. We can just say, it's like, no, I desire some sustenance, mother. Okay, well, hold on. All right, that's fine. You know you're hungry. 
you know you're thirsty, you know whatever, okay? Right? But even now, we still do not know what we need. Right? Oh, now I understand why I'm going into this. Praise the Lord, Grant. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm like, I'm just going with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, here's the link. Okay, cool. Happiness. All right. So now that we are adults, we think that we're smart because we can communicate better. No, we're not smart. The only one who is smart is God. I don't care what degree you have. I don't care how many books you read a day. I don't care how much math you can do in your head. Right? You can't even fix a basic problem like your emotions. You're telling me you're smart. No. Let's just be sober-minded about ourselves, right? God is the one who's smart because God knows us more intimately than we know ourselves. Just like when that baby goes like this. And the mother's like, it's okay, baby. Come here. I know what you need. Baby's like, wow. You're a magician. Like, wow. You know? I'm pretty sure babies, they sit there and they, they have like these evil plans. Like, wow, I wonder if I make this noise, if she'll do it again. I'm sure of it, because I help her, um, her, her daughter, Ashleen, she's how old now, like six months, I think, eight months, she's about eight months, man, cutest baby in the world, right, she does this thing where you carry her, and then it's like if she gets scared or whatever, she does this thing where she tucks herself into you, you know, it's like, oh my, it's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life, it's, yeah, it's crazy, but she's picked up a habit, so parents would agree that babies do this thing where if you're not carrying them, they're like, no, why am I not being carried right now? Why am I so low down to the earth right now, right? So anyway, put it down. Put it down, and I'm sitting next to her, and I'm looking at her, and she goes, like, she goes like this. She goes. She looks at me. She looks around. So I'm watching her now. I'm like, okay. She goes like this. And next minute, I'm watching her. She's looking me in the eyes. It's a stare down. And she can see, hey, she's not winning this one. So I'm looking at her, and it's just this. It's just. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And I pick her up and I walk around. I'm like, damn it, she beat me again. What the flop? <laughs> How am I losing to a baby, <laughs> you know? But we can't do that to God. See, parents, as parents, we, I've seen parents. I'm saying as parents. I'm not a parent. But I've seen parents, okay, where they just give in to their kids, man. And, and rightfully so. Shame. Ugh, you know, they're so cute, you know. But God's not like that because God cannot give in to us with anything that is apart from Jesus. Let me explain why. Because in him, nothing that is apart from Jesus exists. Listen to what I'm saying. God is not restricting you or denying you. Listen to what I'm saying. It's that you are asking him for something that he cannot give you. Bash, what are you talking about? God, I just want a new car. Okay, why? So I can feel successful. Okay, but I can't give you that. I can't give you a car to make you feel successful because works of the flesh are not in me. What I can give you is validation through my love so that you experience success through me. Are you with me? The Bible says... That all his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. But then why do people always say and always feel like God is denying them? Oh, Lord, why tarriest thou, Lord? Why do you tarry, sovereign God? God's not tarrying with nothing, man. There's nothing more he can give you. What do you want more than Jesus? You want to make some potholes in heaven and have the bricks from the streets there? 
the gold bricks? You think you're going to be better off? Listen, God is not tarrying with you. The problem is, is that we are asking in the flesh and we're getting upset when we don't get what we want. We're throwing little spiritual tantrums and you know what ends up happening to protect our own ego? We won't say, I'm wrong or I'm asking amiss like James tells us. No, what will we do? We say, sis God. Okay, I get it. It's a test. I'll be patient. Let me wait six months, then I'll ask again. Maybe I would have learned my lesson. In six months, I'd be qualified to make this request. Nonsense. You do not receive because you ask amiss. You are asking from the flesh instead of the reality that you have in the spirit through Jesus Christ. Amen? Bash, what are you talking about? That's a good question. Dilly, can you give me that um, graphic from last week? Not the sermon one, the other one. The Adonai one. Who was your last week? Who watched last week's message? Yes, okay, more or less. I'm not going to recap much because we don't have time now, but it's fine. Okay, you guys remember this? Adonai, right? And we went last week and we looked into the Hebrew and we said, okay, this word Lord was only used by a few people in the Bible. It wasn't used by everyone, right? Now, there was a very interesting question. I think Zoe asked it last night. She says, but how do we tell people that like God is real? If someone comes up to us and say, how do you know God's real, right? The principle is in what context? Because you see, God in his wisdom did something so beautiful, right? He's like, you know what? Let me not make it difficult for man to figure out whether or not I exist. Let me build a creation that is so intelligent, so immaculate, so beautiful, right, that it is impossible to prove that it came about by any other way except through intelligent design, right? That's what God did. So if someone comes up to you and says, listen, how do you know that God's real? I'm like, bruh, do you have eyes? Do they work? Have you walked outside? Have you looked at a sunset? Have you seen a tree grow? Have you seen the miracle of conception and childbirth? How are you telling me that there is no God? If you cannot ex uh, uh, accept that, right, step one is that you're, delu you're delusional. I got distracted. You see the light is shining. I got distracted. Everyone looked. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. <laughs> But you're delusional. What, what possible reasoning could you in your little logic and little life experience come up with the fact that nothing exploded in the beginning, became rock soup, we evolved from frogs into monkeys into humans, and now the earth automatically sustains life. Don't be dumb. And don't tell me it's science. It's religion. Science confirms God. Do you know why? God made science. It is the blueprint to how creation works. And unfortunately, man is like just touching the tip of the iceberg of how that works, right? What else? Oh, yeah. T touching the iceberg of how that works, right? But if anyone does not want to accept that this earth that we live on here and the heavens that we witness and the way that we function... How we reproduce, if people do not want to accept that that is evidence that God created all of the natural world that we live in, how do we then proceed to even beginning to explain that he is Lord? You know, when Tasso did he, the, the first episode of this series, he spoke about we need to accept that God created the heaven and the earth in seven days. 
Well, six days rested on the seventh, right? And he was talking about the natural laws that were put in place. Because you see, God in his nature, when people see him, trust me, they're not going to be like, uh, are you the dude? Are you God? No. They're going to know. They are going to know. When they see him, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that flip. That is the king of kings. He's God. Whether I agree or not, I realize now the king is here. Are you with me? Right? So you could know God in that capacity. And in the Old Testament, a lot of people knew him like that. They knew him as Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, El Shaddai, all these other names. They knew him as these names, but there were only a handful who knew him as Lord. Are you with me? Lord, Adonai. And we went through it last week. In Hebrew, remember I gave the pictures? Hebrew, uh, every Hebrew letter has a picture, a number, a musical note, right? And when they would use words or God would use a Hebrew word to speak to them, it always denoted an image, right? Now, <laughs> someone was telling me a story. Like, I think, it, is it in Cape Town? Where's the, the Khoi people of Cape Town side? You know, all of that. So they have that culture where they, they name their children after the circumstance, right? So like in the Bible, you know, if, if someone was born under a bush, then your name was, Ishmael, Ishmael was his name. He was born in the desert under the bush. That was his name, right? Isaac, why? You know, and, and all these names come about. The Bible tells you, and he was named this because in that the Lord was whatever, right? Same with uh, God's name, Jehovah Jireh, right? The provider. Why? was that given and as, a, as an identifier of God, a name of God, is because when Abraham and Isaac were on the mountain, Abraham's like, the Lord hath provided, my son. Isaac's like, uh, yeah, okay, no problem. Boom, there comes the ram. Then God was known as the provider. Are you with me, right? So when this name here, Adonai, oh, sorry, I was telling you a story about the Khoisan people. Anyway, <laughs> The image they used, so they would name their, they would name their kid like brake fluid or, you know, <laughs> brake pad or something. It was crazy. I heard that story. I, I laughed my head off because I was doing some work in Northern Cape and then the locals were telling me the story and then they called the one dude, his name was Brake something, you know, like, like a car brake. I'm like, is that a joke? He's like, no, no, it's his name. I'm like, why the heck is that his name? That's weird. He's like, no, no, because um, the father was a mechanic and his speciality was working on brakes. So they named the child that. I was like. I was like, geez, I thought my name was hectic in school. Eh? But anyway, so when God gave this name, Adonai, right? When this name was made known, the image that it, give, that it, it gave the people was that we said Aleph from right to, re, uh, right to left. Aleph is leader, right? Uh, Dalet is a doorway or a tent opening, right? Nun was uh, always symbol of life or seed. And then yut was hand or work, right? And we said that the image that they got when they said Adonai, right, is that he is the one who leads me on the pathway to life. Are you with me? He is the one who leads me on the pathway to life. And the emphasis that I was making last week was that when we think of lordship, our traditional picture is sacrifice, obedience, right? Pressure, performance, all these things. Wrong. Don't associate God with your boss. Don't associate God with your parents or all these things. He is set apart from all of them. And he does not master or lord over you the way all those other people did. Are you with me? 
And it is your duty to not deal with God the way you dealt with your parents or your bad boss. It is your duty to deal with God as he is. Amen. So Adonai, he is the one who leads us on the pathway of life. Amen. And that image is that he is the one who always gives to us. Right? So why did I have that whole spell in the beginning? Because this morning, I want to talk to you about freedom. Hey, look at me. I'm doing well for time. Yes, the Lord worketh miracles, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I want to talk to you about freedom this morning. Everyone say freedom. Yes. Look at the person next to you say freedom. Look at the other person next to you say freedom. Hey, that was pretty good. Nice. Yes, see. we got some singers here. What's freedom? All right. Now, when I say freedom, okay, what do you guys think of? Anyone? When I tell you, listen, Jesus has set you free, what's the first image you get in your head? Okay, okay, yeah, like, like how you're free at home, you know? You yourself walk around in your boxes, you know? Yeah, drag your feet while you walk barefoot. Delron's always wearing socks, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> It's a free feeling. Anyone else? When you hear Christ has set you free, what do you get? Broken handcuffs. Nice. Anyone else? Shackles of life have been removed. Nice. Hey, don't give the right answer from last night. Huh? Yeah, give a wrong answer. <laughs> no, I'm joking. There's no wrong answer. But what do you say? Free to do whatever you want. Woo. Woo. That's interesting. But do you know if you ask any Christian, right? Listen, when the Bible says that it is for freedom, Christ has set you free. Jesus himself said, listen, if the son, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, right? But have we ever had an absolute answer of that? What is the biblical definition, the black and white of what that answer is, because if it is still subjective to all our definitions, it means we cannot be empowered with it. It means it's not practical for us to apply it. Okay, wait, hold it, hold it, hold it. Yeah, don't, don't spoil it. Hold on. So, so now, when we think of freedom, right, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Wow. How come when we think of freedom, the first thing we think of is all our struggles in life? <laughs> Who's that age? It was Lou. It must have been Lou. Yeah. How many of you, when I said freedom, you thought, oof, yeah, this thing could just go away? Anyone? So the next question we need to ask then is that can freedom only exist if we have struggle, or if we have captivity? Bash, that's an interesting question, because if I don't have struggles, am I truly free? Do I need freedom? That's also a very interesting question. Let's look at Adam and Eve. They had no struggles in the garden. Were they free? Everyone's like, Bash, what are you saying? It's a good question, right. Let me explain this, right? There's a few elements to freedom that we need to talk about. So the first one is obviously freedom of choice. Everyone thinks I am free because I can decide. No, you have the freedom to choose, right? And you are free to make your decision, but you are not free from the consequences of your decision, 
So you always got to remember that freedom is a double-edged thing, double-sided, whatever. It's got two sides to it, and they exist simultaneously. Is that I am free to choose whatever I need to choose, but I need to also understand I am not free from the consequences of my decision. Right? If I think freedom, like you said, Candy, if I think freedom is that I can do whatever I want to do, you're absolutely right. You can choose whatever you want to choose. But just always remember that you are choosing the consequence as well. Right? So, like Paul says, if you want to live to gratify the desires of the flesh, corruption is your consequence. But if you choose to live in the life of the Spirit, then abundant life is your consequence. Are you guys with me? But now, let's take it back because who you are now in Jesus, there is no struggle. There is no lack. There is no captivity. There's nothing. Right? But just because you are free, do you know what you need to do? Just because you have the freedom to choose, do you know what's good for you? Just remember that whole story I was telling now about babies and lack and, you know, love and, you know, all that stuff. Don't ask me to repeat it. You'll have to ask the Holy Spirit. I'll go back to the recording, okay? But just because we can't choose, do we know what we ought to choose? Why? If you're hungry, you know what you want to eat. If you didn't make a choice in your life, you know what you want to choose. But how do you know that it is good? Now, here's the thing. Don't spoil it. I'm coming to you just now. He's got it. He's in the zone here. He's in the zone. When we look at the true slavery, right, that Christ delivered us from, it had nothing to do with anything physical. Right? Christ didn't die on the cross so you could have a better boss. Are you laughing, Dwayne? You're your own boss. <laughs> Christ didn't die on the cross so you could have more money. Are <gasps> you saying God doesn't want me to have money? What? Okay, let's just calm down, all right? Christ didn't die on the cross so people would love you, so you could have friends. No, you see, what happens is when the Bible talks about how we were redeemed from the curse through him, because cursed is the one who hangs on the tree, therefore through him we are no longer under a curse, this is what it's talking about. Do you have a question? Are you telling me time? Oh, sorry, man. I just saw your hand move. I was like, yeah, I'm okay. This is what he came to deliver us from. Now, those of you who've been in this church long enough, you know our Romans series that we've done, right? Normally we get up to like chapter eight. <laughs> then we go through the rest of like five minutes. Like, yeah, that's done. But chapter eight takes 12 weeks from one to eight, right? But in the beginning, in the garden, right? God gave Adam and Eve an instruction. And he told them, listen, eat of every tree in the garden. Don't touch that. Who, Linda, you can come here. And Grant. Yeah, both of us. Both of y'all. <laughs> Kaylin, we in church. Behave yourself. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who wants to be the, you're the, you're the taller one. You be the tree of life. Yeah. Sorry, man. There, you can go there. Okay. No, go further. Okay. Are they still in, in camera? Yeah. All right. So God says, listen, hoy, have anything you want. Just don't eat of that one. Okay? Shame. Linda. Now I'm feeling bad. You, you go that side. Yeah, he's tough. He, Grant is tougher than you. Yeah, you can swap. It's fine. Okay, you can eat of everything. Don't eat of that one. Even though, and Grant looks yummy, but don't eat of him, okay? 
Guys, okay, the girls are laughing too much. You all just need a call. Linda, you're also yummy, okay? Even me, I'm yummy. Anyway, right. Now, God says, listen, eat of everything, everything. You can do whatever you want. Just don't touch that one, right? Now, he didn't just say don't touch it. He said don't touch it or you will surely die. Now, I don't know about you guys, okay? But there are many consequences I'm willing to accept in life for decisions that I make. But if someone says, don't do this or you're going to die, in my mind, I'm like, it's probably a good idea to stay alive. Okay? I'm just saying, right? So, I'm Adam, unfortunately. Okay. So, Adam comes over here. His wife's calling him. Yabe, what's up? No, check. I ate this thing. It's good. So, they hoi this thing, right? And the Bible makes a statement, right? Now, you, you, you can just fall over. Lie down. Okay. Now, what happened when that, <laughs> at that moment, right? Stay down, no, no. Yeah. What happened in that moment is that the tree of life to them, okay, was dead. Okay? Because now what happened is when they ate from the knowledge of the good, the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, right? What? The tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. I had too many thirds there, eh? Yeah, it's okay. The minute they ate from that tree, Right? What happened is that they replaced God as their source in life. Okay? Listen carefully to what I'm saying. Because the minute they went against his guidance and they went against his prescription, okay, they made a declaration that God, we are more knowledgeable about what is good and what is evil. Sure. Right? Okay, now Grant, stand like you're powerful. Like, you know, yeah. Now this thing here was... <laughs> Now, this thing here became all that they knew, and that was gone. And God makes a statement, and it sounds harsh, right? It sounds harsh, but he says, we need to take them out of the garden. Because if they eat, they cannot eat from the tree of life in the state that they are currently in. Do you know why? Right? Because before, in their freedom, they ate from the tree of life to experience life. But after they ate from this thing, they want to eat from the tree of life to fix their brokenness. The tree of life is no longer life. It now becomes a dead work. Are you guys with me? Please give our trees a round of applause. Thanks, Linda. Are you guys with me? That's why God said that. He said we can't let them eat like this because now the tree of, they're using the tree of life to fix their brokenness. They're not using it for life. We were never meant to commune with God to fix our brokenness. Amen. We were meant to commune with God to partake of life. Amen? So here's the thing. This is what took place. They were here. Now, that statement that I made that God, uh, uh, the, oh, sorry, they became their own source, right, instead of God. What's wrong with that? It doesn't seem like anything's wrong with that. There is something fundamentally wrong with that. And it's critical, okay? Fundamentally critical. Is that we were never created to be the source. What does that mean? It means that the burden of always measuring up what is good and what isn't while still trying to fulfill something is a capacity we were never created with. Because we were created to either live in God or in ourselves. We could not be separated from the two. Where God being life himself, only life is laid before him. 
So everything that he would have prescribed, he would have sustained. But when we took the decision, not we, Adam, (laughs) punk. When he took the decision, right, he took the decision that I want to be like him. I, he's made the decision to say, I'm going to sustain everything that I choose to do. That is what the curse is. That is what the, slave of, the slavery of sin and death is. Is that when I am in there, I can see life, I can see death, I can see all these things, but I cannot move beyond any action, right, that is not connected to what I'm missing. Listen to what I'm saying, guys. For those of us who are still operating under this curse here, that God is there and I'm still in charge of my life, right? You will never have peace because the only thing that you're going to be searching around for is how you can get what's missing inside of you. You will never be able to partake in life. You will never be able to make a decision that is purely for experiencing abundant life. You will be limited to all that you're missing here. Now, how does this connect to Adonai? Is because when the Bible tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse and that he has set us free, what he has set us free from is that prison of, wait a minute, I'm the only one here. I'm fighting for myself. I'm, I'm, I'm fixing all these things, right? He's that prison of there's no other hope here except this. He says, you've come out of the, the slavery of sin and you've become a slave to righteousness. And what does that mean? It means now when I sense that there is a desire and when I sense that there's something I want to do, but I see the way forward is death or is corruption, I don't need to go to it, not because it's bad. I don't need to go, with, go to it because Christ has given me an assurance that I will be fulfilled. Listen to what I'm saying, guys. It's not just about stopping your bad decisions or stopping your bad habits. That's legalism. As a child of God, choosing life means that you're walking in the assurance that you have all fulfillment in Christ. Are you with me? That is why Adonai, or Lord, Master, is important. Because in that moment, you're not choosing death But not like before with Adam where he could not choose death, but he was left unfulfilled. No. Now, with God as your master, you are saying, I don't choose death because I know you're leading me to life. Are you guys with me? This is how we need to process freedom. And a believer who who, who is choosing Uh, Sorry, a believer who is making decisions that is going to put them into slavery is not free. You aren't. Because you can only experience freedom when Christ is your Lord. Are you with me? When you are Lord of your own life, you're in the same prison that Adam was in. Are you guys with me? You're going to keep choosing and choosing and choosing, having no alternatives to what you desire, you're just going to go for it. Yes, yeah, I can finance that car. Uh, 25 grand a month, ah, it's not so bad. Uh, yeah, 25 grand a month, five years, oh, it's cool. Two years in, interest rate doubles. Another year in, 
Now they threaten your salary with mandatory vaccines or whatever. Now what do you do? Now you're in a position that has led to you being a slave. Hello. Are you with me? So when we get to that definition of what is the freedom that Christ gave us, the freedom that he gave us is that whatever we are lacking in our hearts, whatever desire that we have, we do not have to bear the pressure of fulfilling that. Guys, listen to what I'm saying. Young people here, you're finishing school now. It's career time. You've got to choose or whatever. You guys know the pressure. I come from an Indian family. If, if you don't, I could have been adopted. You don't know, okay? But my, my point was, is that, you know, Indians can only be accountants or doctors. Lawyers, maybe, you know? There you go. Huh? Jen knows what I'm talking about. You're a lawyer, right? That's it. Those are the only professions that are respected, okay? Who cares if I'm creative? No one cares. Go and do the accounting. Okay. You know? There's all that pressure. There's everything. We have a desire for success. We have desires for fulfillment, right? We have a desire for so many things in life. But we become crippled when we accept the responsibility of fulfilling it ourselves. We put ourselves in positions of slavery when we choose our own way instead of allowing the one that leads us to life to direct our paths. Are you with me? I'm telling you now. Looking back on my life, I should not have studied finance. I shouldn't. I'm, I'm thankful I had the opportunity. I'm, I'm good at it. It's, it's a skill that I have. It's great. It's fantastic. But now understanding who God is, who I am in him, how his kingdom works, how he wants to lead my life, I'm like, flop. If I just got this back then, this would have been so different. Because listen, it was tough. Because I wasn't, I wasn't fit my character, my personality, and all that stuff. Like, every, everyone I talk to, they're like, you're an accountant. I'm like, yeah. Ah, it's because you're Indian, not because of the way you are. I'm like, yeah, that's it, you know? But that's what it is, guys. And, and, you know, I was not fit for that profession. But what happened was is that I knew I needed success. I knew I had to do better than the previous generations, right? I knew I had to redeem the family, you know? Yeah, get a degree, but, you know, you're going to be the first one. Woo! No pressure. You know, all of this stuff was there. And I'm like, okay, this is the only way I'm going to do it. Had I gone back, what would I have done? I would have said, Lord, I know I need all these things. But I cannot choose a way that you have not prescribed. Because I know that the way that I choose is going to be a way that's going to put me in slavery. Guys, if you want to conceptualize it properly, after everything I've said today, right? You want to conceptualize it properly. That is how you need to have the image of Lord in your mind. Is that if I choose any other way other than what he's giving me, I'm going to be in slavery. You need to persuade your heart completely that it is only Jesus that has set you free. And it's only Jesus who keeps you free. Amen. Did you guys get something this morning? Come on, give God a praise. There is no demand that God's placing on you. Don't listen to all these cooked preachers who say, God needs a sacrifice. Okay, he said Jesus. God needs something from you. No, God gave everything to you, right? What he's asking you is to be diligent in what he gave you. 
What he's asking you is to realize that Adam is dead and Christ is alive and now live in Christ. Are you with me? Stop creating hardship for yourself. Make him your Lord. But you could be sitting here today and you could be like, but Bash, I don't know what I'm going to get, what, I'm, what I need. Listen, little baby, I know. There's some discomforts. But God is a good father. Not only is your discomfort going to go, but he's going to grow you. He's going to raise you. He's not just there to make sure your discomfort's gone. He's there to, to raise you as a king in his kingdom. He's there to raise you as his beloved child so that you can look at life in a completely different way than the rest of this world looks at it. So that you could know him in his true nature, that everywhere you go, not only are you fulfilled, but you're looking to help others be fulfilled. That every day when you wake up, you don't have a single thing that you need in life because the God alive in your heart is more real than the very bed that you're lying in. He's more real than the heart that's beating in your body right now. Let's stop playing with these definitions. Why are you holding on to them? You like struggle? It's <laughs> affirmative no there. <laughs> you think you like struggle. You don't. Struggle is slavery. And I'm not talking about your external things. I'm talking about your heart. You'll never be done with external struggle in this world because there's always going to be a fraught person that's making your life difficult. Sometimes that fraught person is you. At least you have control over yourself. Stop being fraught. Come to the vine, who is Jesus, and produce fruit. Amen? Live in rest. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. So I did say a lot this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I'm hoping you guys got the correct image this morning of what it is to make Jesus Lord of your life. If you've had images before that making Jesus your Lord is about sacrifice, and it's like, oh, I'm going to give up so much in life for Jesus. You do not understand who Jesus is. He is not a God who came to demand. He's a God who came to give. He himself said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. No greater love has any man than this, than to lay his life down for his friends. Jesus is telling you this morning, he is your friend. And if you would let go of the fear of being unfulfilled by all the carnal objectives that you've had in life, and if you have faith and you trust God to say, Lord, if this is your word, I will take you at your word. Because I know you're not a liar. I know you never fail. I know you are good. If you do that, you will not be left lacking a single thing. Your life could be missing everything externally, man, but internally, you will be whole, you will be content, you will have peace, you will have joy. You'll go to bed smiling, you'll wake up smiling, you'll love people who are seemingly unlovable. You will experience a proper, proper definition of what life is. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you are here this morning, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you haven't chosen him, or at least you're not sure you, are, you haven't, 
Just raise your hand right now. We just want to check. We just want to have a discussion with you afterwards. Just help you a bit in what's happened. And if you are here this morning and this word struck a chord with you, and you're realizing that, Flip, I've been choosing my own way. This is why I've got so much chaos. I don't want to let things go. This is why I've got chaos. I'm still holding on to the dead man. I haven't embraced the living Jesus. Take a few seconds now. Just take a deep breath and process these things. Listen to what your heart is telling you now. If any of that stuff is coming up, make a decision now. Say, Lord, I choose to, I choose to trust you, Lord. Right now in this moment, say, I choose to trust you. Right now in this moment, say, I choose to believe that you are my fulfillment. I choose to believe that you love me. I choose to believe that you are a good father. And Lord, every day I'm going to choose to believe that. And you're going to see. You're going to see a life form before your very eyes that you never thought possible. So Lord, I thank you for every person who heard this message this morning, Father, in this building or online or <clears throat> even later. We just want to say thank you so much for your amazing love, Lord. We thank you that you are unlike any God or boss or parent or any authority figure that we have encountered in this life. We thank you that you are the holy God, for there is none like you, Lord. We thank you that you have declared to us that you have come to give to us, Lord. We thank you that you declared to us that you alone are the life. And this morning we've seen, Lord, that there is no life apart from you. We thank you so much that you set us free from the burden of trying to be fulfilled, Lord. So this morning we rest our shoulders, Lord, and we take a deep breath. We release everything and we say, Father, we trust you. For we know you are good. For we know that you love us. For we know that you have things in store for us that we have yet to even comprehend, Lord. With our hearts open, we say to you, Holy Spirit, lead us step by step every day so that we can experience more and more and more of this amazing, abundant life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a praise. God is good, man.